0: Online and worldwide, it's the Black and Blue Report. Live, sort of, from Studio B, here's Sean Kelly.
1: How goes it Tuesday edition of the Black and Blue Report? We've got a lot of things cooking here in Studio B at 5800 Airline Drive. I'm Sean Kelly, and glad you're with us here on this Tuesday afternoon, evening, or wherever, or however, or whenever you're getting us on the podcast for Saints and Pelicans fans. Don't forget, you can get us, of course, at NewOrleansSaints.com, Pelicans.com, the two-team apps, and still free to you in a subscription on iTunes. Well, we've got a busy show for you today. We're going to touch a lot of bases. Of course, the NBA playoffs ramped up again last night as another home team fell. The Thunder losing overtime to the Memphis Grizzlies. We also saw the Clippers even their series up at a game apiece. And there are three more games tonight. And, of course, we'll talk not only NBA playoffs, but Anthony Davis and the Pelicans with Rick Fox today. He stops by on the Black and Blue Report from uh, the Turner Studios in Atlanta today. The NBA TV analyst will give us his thoughts on what's going on with the playoffs, AD, and now three coaching openings in the NBA. We'll continue our NFL Draft Preview Series today. We're up to pick number 17, and that's the Baltimore Ravens. And so later on in the show... Garrett Downing joins us from BaltimoreRavens.com to break down the Ravens' offseason. That's a team the Saints will see twice this upcoming season, one of which is in the preseason, I know, but still two times we'll see Baltimore's unit. And, of course, the Zurich Classic is rolling into town this week, events starting today at the TPC of Louisiana. And one of our favorites, New Orleanian Kelly Gibson, former PGA Tour player, And a man who has a heavy hand in all things golf in our area, including the Zurich Classic, is our guest here in just a moment. So we've got a busy show for you on this Tuesday. Glad you're with us. Rick Fox, Garrett Downing talking Ravens, and up next, Kelly Gibson as we talk Zurich Classic here in the Big Easy. Here's a valuable lesson I've learned as an Intergy customer. Saving energy saves you money. And the online videos at EnergySavings.com show you how. A few simple projects can make a big difference in your bill. In just a few hours, I knocked my
2: monthly bill down by 20%. It was easy. From caulking windows to
1: programming your thermostat, the Energy videos walk you through it. Visit EnergySavings.com and start saving today. That's the power of people. Entergy.
0: Don't want to miss out on any of the action? Get connected with your New Orleans Pelicans 24 7, 365. Like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter for exclusive prizes and giveaways. Plus, get text messages with all the latest breaking news right on your phone with Pelicans Mobile Alerts. Visit Pelicans.com for information on these great features. Plus, sign up for Pelicans Insider with weekly updates from the Pelicans. Join the conversation today. Does your boss know you're listening? If not, turn it up louder. This is the Black and Blue Report.
1: Well, the PGA Tour makes its annual return to the Big Easy this week as the Zurich Classic takes center stage down at the TPC of Louisiana and a New Orleanian and PGA Tour golfer Kelly Gibson's our guest here on the Black and Blue Report today. Kelly, good morning. It's a big week for golf in our area, isn't it?
3: It sure is. It's always exciting in April uh, when the PGA Tour rolls through and it's going to be a really fun week to see how uh, the TPC Louisiana stacks up against the best in the world. All
1: right, let me ask with this. Let me start with this question, Kelly. And forgive me for asking this, but how many different hats are you going to try and wear this week? Because I have a feeling you got about sixteen different jobs working going on here.
3: <laughs> it gets a bit crazy. Not as bad as when I used to play. Uh, I played nineteen years in a row or eighteen years in a row. I can't remember. I'm getting too old, but. Uh, you know, I got my first text this morning from the Golf Channel at about 5, uh, five o'clock, and they were wanting to, uh, to know where, where to send all their uh, staff for dinner. They wanted the listing of the best restaurants in town. You know, your typical stuff. But t- today, it's going to be an exciting day for me. Um, this will be my 25th year in a row of hosting the Junior Clinic, um, and I get the pleasure today to share the stage with uh, Ernie Els. Who is a, a former U.S. Open and British Open champion, and a gentleman by the name of Eric Compton, who has a truly unique story. He's a uh, two-time heart transplant professional golfer. So uh, it's going to be exciting. They also have a celebrity shootout as well today at 3:30, and a number of uh, Saints fans will be. Part- I mean, Saints players will be participating. I believe Saxtree. Camp Bailey, and I'm missing one guy. Mark Ingram will be playing that in addition to a couple of LSU players, and I think Darius Rucker from Hootie and the Blowfish will also be playing that. So exciting day. It's Tuesday. Beginning of the week, most of the pros are out there um, getting their practice rounds in, charting the golf course courses. Um, the, the, the caddies are doing their job and, and getting ready for the rest of the week.
1: It is a a busy week, and I know that the Pro-Am is tomorrow. And, Kelly, I think you had a real heavy hand, didn't you, in in designing the TPC course here in Louisiana?
3: I I don't know about heavy hand. I was involved, and it was really a magical experience for me. um, Getting to work with Pete Dye for three years in the development of this layout, I learned so much that it it actually sort of launched a second career for me because uh, currently now I'm involved in, a number of golf courses that I've been able to um, put my team together, my architectural team together, and be a part of. But Pete, was uh, he's an icon in in the golf design business. You know, he's designed some of the best courses in the world. He brings unique characteristics to each project that he's involved in. And the TPC Louisiana was no different. Uh, There were so many challenges with building this golf course that, the average fan is just not aware of, you know, there's only four-foot elevation change on the property, the, the 10th tee being the highest and the 5th tee being the lowest. It, it was really, you know, cut out of a swamp, uh, with, which is many, you know, many would realize, being in South Louisiana, that's what we're going to deal with. We don't have mountains and running streams, and we don't have gigantic, uh Uh, mounding and things like that because you just can't do that because of the drainage patterns that you have to have in golf courses but i thought he did a fantastic job the golf course has matured each year it's been through about five hurricanes Um, during the construction we went through a tropical storm system it went through i believe a hurricane prior to katrina it went through katrina where they lost about 2,000 trees then it went through rita and i think ike so it's had its fair share of Adversity, but I, I believe the players are beginning to understand the golf course better each year. The score seem to be getting lower, and I wouldn't be surprised if the tournament record is uh, is broken this year.
1: Yeah, I, I, that'd be that'd be fun to watch. Certainly, what do Kelly? What do the pros say about the course? A, a, and be fair, likes and dislikes, I guess.
3: Well, initially they they didn't like some of the bunkering, um, and they didn't like some of the angles of the greens, but. In, in contrast to what they don't like, Pete, Pete Dye's challenge as a, as a golf architect is to challenge the, the best players in the world. He, his idea of making a player uncomfortable is truly that. He wants a player not to be happy um, so that he's challenging that particular player's skill set. So there's a love-hate relationship with, with players versus architects. Now, he has, also has the responsibility of making it fair enough for the average golfer, um, the weekend golfer, and the beginning golfer to go out there and have an enjoyable experience. One of the things that was a challenge is when we were building this golf course, it was the explosion of new equipment and the golf ball. So the standard length of a golf course used to be 7,000 yards. We, we pushed it to 74, maybe 7,500 yards, and we're also at eight feet below sea level. So that extends the the, the playing surface to a tremendous amount. So you had the shorter hitters that weren't happy. But in contrast to that criticism, if you analytically look at it, short hitters have won on this golf course. Jerry Kelly, um, Tim Petrovic, and then you've had the longest hitters win, Bubba Watson, um, and I'm, I'm missing a couple. Uh, Nick Watney, you had some very, very long, long hitters, Bubba being the longest out there, Jerry Kelly being one of the shortest out there.
1: So, I believe
3: it's a fair test. Um, you, you've gotten great ball strikers, and Jason Duffner won, and you've gotten guys that, uh, that, that are good putters. So, it mixes a lot. You have to, you have to be, it tests every club in your, in your bag. Um, I remember my first year I played there, I hit every single,
4: and I only
3: made it two days, but I hit every single club in my golf bag. Now, there's a lot of courses on tour where that doesn't happen. So, I think it was unfairly criticized in the beginning. But everybody forgets that English Turn was tremendously criticized when it first opened for having too many forced carries. They only had like two pros broke par the first day. So this is a natural process. Pros don't like change. And when you change to a new venue, the only guys that will like it are the ones that finish in the top ten. Everybody else has something to say about it. And that's just the way it goes.
1: I think that's why people like the U.S. Open, Kelly, because it makes pro golfers look more like me. (laughs) <laughs> and the other weekend hackers out there.
3: Well, I've had the chance play playing a few U.S. Opens. They're, they're different because of uh, so many different things. You know, the crowds are very intense. They put 50,000 people out there during practice rounds. And, and the rough is so demanding that you, if you hit it in the rough and you're able to find a golf ball, you usually have to wedge it back out. But, you know, it's when, you, when you're defining a, a, a spectator's enjoyment versus a pro's challenge, that's where you get into a situation of you have to define as a venue, as a host, the Four Kids Foundation, as a city, you have to define what kind of experience you want the professionals to have that week. My opinion is, this is strictly my opinion, is that people like to see the pros shoot for for birdies and eagles. I, I haven't been to too many tournaments, the U.S. Open being one, a few other ones where they like to see the pros struggle. I mean, everybody knows how to struggle in golf. Every player goes through it, including Tiger Woods. But they want to see eagles. They want to see hole-out bunker shots. They want to see chip shots. They want to see long putts. They want to see the ball spin backwards, things that they don't get to see in their weekend game. And so I, I would like to see the scores a little bit lower. I think it's more, more fun for the spectators. Um, it has been one of the criticisms with the 18th hole. And that's the fair criticism, in my opinion, is that it hasn't yielded enough drama, sort of like um, what 18 at English Turn used to do, and that might just that might change over time. But as, as, as it has been with wind conditions, um, you know, and I, I have a pretty unique memory on this stuff. But the first year we played the tournament, the wind blew out of the north, which is a little bit weird. You know how we had that cold snap last week It yep. happened during the tournament. And it made for uh, tricky pin placements because the rules officials who set the pins didn't adjust their layout for wind conditions. So 18th hole got very boring during the first year, and it turned off a lot of people.
1: Wow, that's a very unique perspective, that's for sure. Uh, Kelly Gibson with us here on the Black and Blue Report. Uh, Justin Rose obviously jumps off the page when you look at the field this year at the Zura Classic. What, what can you tell us or what are your thoughts about who's coming to play and who we'll get to see?
3: Well, you know, it's going to be it, um, a, lot of, a lot of big names up there, a lot of guys that are playing well. Justin Rose obviously would be a huge hit, U.S. Open champion. We'd love to see him win. And I think that's, you know, it has changed in the last few years. Um, and that's the way the golf course has changed. One of the things, and this is no knock on my fellow pros because I played out there for a very long time, is w- one of the things that has hurt this tournament is that we haven't had the superstar status guy come in here and dominate the field. You know, like like Ernie Els had a chance to win. Jason Duffner obviously used this as a launching pad to go on and win the PGA Championship. You had Bubba Watson had, I think, won once or twice prior to winning here. He goes along and wins two Green Jackets. So you, you would really like to see the marquee player come in here, a uh, uh, Rick Fowler who, who hasn't won a lot, maybe launches his career to a different level. You want to see Justin Rose take his career, his U.S. Open, and back it up with some wins, start to challenge Tiger and, and guys like Matt Kuchar and, and those kind of guys for the superstar status. That, that would help the profile of this tournament in recruiting the bigger-name players for next year.
1: Give some advice to uh, spectators, Kelly. There's a seems, seems to be two schools of thought. One, I'm going to walk the course and follow a particular group, or I'm going to pick a spot on the course and I'm going to watch all the golfers come through. Which, which do you think works best at TPC?
3: Well, i tell you what's an incredible deal. The kids get in free. So I'd love mm-hmm. to see the kids out there it, it, for your fans. And, I'm, and I know how you guys touch so many people, but this clinic's going to be special today with Ernie Els. And, and certainly I uh, would love to see the kids out there. The shootout's going to be really kind of fun. The fans actually, I believe you get to walk, walk somewhat inside the ropes that that'll be a neat experience for a lot of people. Um, tomorrow, is a fun day for, for the, the business community to get out and play inside the ropes with the, the top 50 golf pros that will be in the field starting Thursday. It's an intense competition. Um, you know, if you get the chance, uh, one of the coolest things that we have here that not many other tournaments, we have the best food venues in the country. Uh, the Acme Oyster House on the 17th hole has an incredible venue I'm not sure on the pricing. I don't have it in front of me, but there's tickets available for that. You get to eat all you want all day long. You get, you get to watch the 13th hole, the 14th hole, and the 17th hole, all from one staging area. Um, the skyboxes are an amazing view. You get, you get to look down on the competition, and that's cool. Uh, holes like number 17 are, are fun to watch. There's enough challenge there with the water. Um, if a player hits a good shot, there's an opportunity for a birdie uh, on a par three. 18th hole, depending on the wing conditions and the, and the tee markers, there'll be some challenging uh, approach shots if the guys go it in two. Uh, the ninth hole is, is an amazing hole, too. It's, it's par three. Um, it's, you have the Coca-Cola tent, which I think is open to the public. If you're lucky enough to get one of the seats on the outside of that, that, that provides a good opportunity. And if you want to walk the golf course, it's easier walk than uh, English Turn used to be. Um, it's just a lot of people don't realize that English Turn's cart paths were elevated about four or five feet above the playing surface. So at, at uh, TPC, you actually get to get a little closer to, to the competition, but your, your eye-level angle is a little bit flatter. So it provides different, different things for different people. I, I will say that uh, the food venues, if you're lucky enough to score one of those tickets, that's, uh, that's a pretty neat place to be.
1: Yeah, I know. That sounds fantastic. I think I need to try and you know, work the uh, network here a little bit and see what I can come up with for that. Uh, hey, Kelly, do, before I let you, you go, what yeah, time see is the if you, kids?
3: See if, we, see if you can score me a couple tickets, too.
1: <laughs> hey, i tell you what. I'll give you a call. Don't worry. Um, <laughs> hey, what before I let you go, Kelly, what time is the kids clinic today, and, and, and what else can you tell us about that?
3: Um, The kids' clinic starts at uh, 3.30, and the shootout starts at 3 o'clock. So the the shootout goes out uh, uh, first, and then the clinic starts at 3.30. And like I mentioned earlier, uh, Zach Streif will be playing in it, Uh, Champ Bailey, Mark Ingram, I believe uh, Darius Rucker, Tommy Hodson, for, for fans that were around in the, in the 80s of LSU football, a former NFL player. Um, and I believe there's uh, a couple more guys that are going to be playing. They're going to play uh, six holes in the winter just to make a contribution to the charity of his choice. So that uh, neat little something different on Tuesday, try to kick the tournament off. The clinic that we're going to have is open to all kids and adults. Um, Ernie Els, who works with uh, some autistic children, will be doing um, a special presentation for some autistic children. And Eric Compton uh, is a young player on the tour who has gone through two heart transplants. Um, he's going to tell his life story and the challenges that he's faced as a professional golfer. Uh, he's been able to achieve so much in the game that we all love to play
1: Well, a lot of kids off for Easter break, Kelly, so hoping for a good day today.
3: Yeah, and this will be – I'm excited because it will be my 25th year in a row, so I, I really cherish the opportunity to get to do it again.
1: And congratulations on that for sure. Kelly Gibson, one of our best ambassadors for this city, not only for golf, but overall. And I thank you today, Kelly, for coming on the Black and Blue Report. I hope you enjoy every minute of the week.
3: Well, I, I really appreciate it. If you want to have me back on during draft day, I'd love to add to your commentary.
1: <laughs> Come on in. we got three days of it coming up in May, so we'll yeah, need all the help we can get.
3: Yeah, I'm sure you will. I know you yep. go. Good luck this year. You guys are – I'm a huge fan. I, I go to every game. Uh, my wife used to be the choreographer for the dance team, and we, we uh, are certainly some of the biggest Saints fans in the world. So congrats on the success, and, and you guys do a fantastic job. Thanks for having me on.
1: All right, Kelly, thank you very, very much. We've got plenty more to come on today's Black and Blue Report. Don't forget uh, the Kelly Gibson Foundation has a website. you want to check that out. And, of course, uh, if you see Kelly, make sure you give him a, a hoodat out there on the golf course this weekend. We'll be right back after this.
5: Okay, you've just been told you have a serious heart issue, congestive heart failure, a valve problem, a complex rhythm disorder. Now what? At Auctioner, we suggest you take a moment and do some research. When you do, you'll find Auctioner Medical Center has the only heart program in the region ranked among the nation's best by US News and World Report. We routinely treat the most complex cases with revolutionary procedures, such as surgical and non-surgical valve replacements and the total artificial heart. And we have the largest, most comprehensive program for treating arrhythmias in the Gulf South, offering options not available elsewhere in the region. At the end of the day, the most important thing to hear is,
3: I just saw your test results, and they look great. No
5: problems. Leading-edge care. Just one more reason to choose an auctioner affiliated physician. For an appointment, visit auctioner.org or call one 866 That's O-C-H-S-N-E-R. Auctioner. Healthcare with peace of mind.
1: The NBA playoffs roll on with three more games scheduled tonight. Atlanta at Indiana, Brooklyn's at Toronto, and Washington visit Chicago for game two of that series. And we're very pleased to welcome into the Black and Blue Report today, Rick Fox, three-time NBA champ, astute astute dancer, and of course, analyst for Turner Sports and NBA TV. Happy playoffs to you, Rick Fox.
4: Thank you very much. Good to get him going.
1: Yeah, it's been off to a great start. I can't think of a game, maybe other than the Clippers last night over the Warriors, that's been a bit of a clunker. It's been an exciting start. And I think we all expected that, didn't we?
4: Oh yeah, you know I th- I, we thought the level of intensity would definitely step up. That's playoff uh, style basketball. We've seen uh, a number of really, really exciting games so far, and uh, you mentioned the Clipper game last night with with uh, Golden State is, is maybe a clunker, but I'm sure the Clipper Nation were. We're quite happy with that result.
1: Yeah, no doubt, and and I think the same. A pleasure goes for Memphis Grizzlies fans as they took uh, the series to uh, a one-one situation with a win at Oklahoma City last night. If you're if you're looking at different series right now, which one intrigues you the most?
4: Well, they're all intriguing. Uh, the one I'm probably most anticipated would be the Houston Portland series right now. I thought that first uh, round game was was just as exciting and. Down to the wire with extra minutes and overtime, big plays, foul trouble, uh, you know, monumental entrances into playoff basketball by Damon Lillard, Marcus Aldridge with a, a game for the ages. I just want—I want to see how Houston responds to that.
1: When you when you look at that series, it almost epitomizes what's going on in the West. And and I guess I had a hard time, Rick, picking a favorite in the West, and and maybe even after a couple of playoff games now. I'm still having a hard time. Is is the West as wide open as maybe one would see right now?
4: Well it's been uh it's been an intense Western Conference regular season, uh as deep as, as we've seen probably ever. Uh San Antonio's been the mainstay, the the one consistent franchise out west that you can look to and expect to do exactly what they did in the first game, which is take care of their home court and look as solid and as can and and as worthy of a number one seed as any of those teams but beyond that as we've seen we've seen splits we've seen how many road teams have taken you know the first game and gotten home court advantage already so i i, I beyond that i could not tell you who i would who i would put money on to go anywhere
1: beyond uh what we see right now which is a knockdown, drag out seven game first round series for all of yeah, them yeah no doubt and, and and in the east um if I were to say you could have either the Miami Heat or the rest of the field, who you want to take?
4: I'm probably going with the rest of the field. Uh, and it's, it's not a slight to the champs. Uh, they've had their, you know, their ups and downs this, this year so far, uh, challenges with health. Uh, they're going to go as far as Dwayne Wade can remain healthy, I believe. But I don't think the East is as uh, deteriorated. Uh, or as as, as, uh, as inefficient as maybe we've made them out to be. I think you'll get some great basketball, as we've seen already with the Nets and the Raptors, and the case of the Atlanta Hawks upsetting the, the Pacers in that first game. I don't think we've seen the last of the Pacers uh, this season. I think something's going to click with them at some point. Uh, and uh, you know, and then when you when you talk about the Bulls and the Wizards, look what the Wizards did. Uh, in that first game, so I, I, I think there's a lot of competition for the Heat to still be had in that East to get to the finals.
1: Rick Fox with us here on the Black and Blue Report. Rick, you mentioned Indiana, and there are so many people right now that want to write or say that the Pacers are in trouble. Why do you feel differently? Well, because
4: they've consistently uh, proven that they they are right now after the trade, playing maybe uh, their their poorest basketball of the season at the wrong time. So the the faith in which, you know, you would want to believe they could return to that form as the number one Eastern Conference seed, uh, it's really no, there's no confidence in that. And uh, they lost to the Atlanta Hawks who quite frankly, you know, scraped into the playoffs. And you would think uh, that would be a foreign, you know, foreign done for for the Pacers.
1: Meanwhile, with Brooklyn and Toronto, it it would seem to me that, the East, we better served but these two teams weren't meeting in the first round together. Um, is Brooklyn is Brooklyn clicking as much as, as, it, as it appears right now?
4: Well, I think they're as confident as you'll get uh, with the veterans they have that know how to handle this time of the year. So I, I would say uh, when I look at the Brooklyn Nets in that series with the Raptors, you're right. The Raptors have been pretty consistent this year for a young team, but I think the experiences will, will overrun them in, at the end of the day in that series. Uh, I know they've handled Miami four games in the regular season. Uh, but uh, beyond that, you know, they ha- they'd have to still go through uh, you know, a pretty tough championship uh, laden experience team in themselves, the Heat.
1: Rick, let me turn your attention toward coaching, if you don't mind. We had a major storyline last off-season. If I'm wrong, it's only by one. But I think there were nine head coaching changes in the NBA last season. And now there are three openings already. Uh, this year, any surprises with with Adelman, Corbin, or um, the uh, the situation regarding? Uh, I just lost the last name Mike, there. Mike Woodson. Mike, Mike Woodson in New York. Heck, how, how could I forget that uh, one? Uh, yeah. yeah no, any surprises no, there? Uh, no surprises. I think Ty. Uh, you know, he
4: he's done a, a I think an admirable job with a, a number of young men trying to find their way together, and that's always a difficult task when uh, when you're looking to. Create, you know, an argument for an extension or, or hold on to your job. You, you know, you got to win first and foremost, and develop players. I think he did a great job of developing those young players in Utah, but, but unfortunately, they did not win or make the playoffs. Uh, the Adelman decision, I'm sure, was a close one. Even to come, for him to come back last year with the health of his wife, and, uh, and he's had a long career, but I think he's going to stay in a capacity as a consultant with the organization, and then Mike Woodson. You know, some will say he was a lame duck in, in waiting, but uh, I think uh, the disappointment of the season for the, the Knicks as a whole uh, which, you know, brought his demise, but not his demise as a coach in this league. I think we'll see him again shortly.
1: With regard to who takes over those jobs, are we going to see familiar names or are we going to see this continued trend toward some fresh faces, maybe not... Maybe not fresh faces to to those of us who cover the game, but to maybe to fans who are not familiar with assistant coaches around the league.
4: Well, I think that it would not surprise me or you, I'm sure, because like you said, we cover the game, so we know some of the quality. That's excuse the the, the back noise, but you you know you'll discover some of the these the, the most talented assistant coaches or even players that are now, in the case of Jason Kidd, getting opportunities and actually. Making a case for more players to fresh out of the uh, off the court when Jason Kidd does the job he does. So uh, a lot of guys that you would say like George Carl, Michael Hollins that are out there, Jeff Van Gundy if he wants to get back in, that have been the mainstays that maybe from a, a marketing standpoint most fans are, are most you know comfortable uh, recognizing them and, and understand that they've done the job before and can probably do it again.
1: Rick Fox with us here on the Black and Blue Report. Hey, Rick, uh, Pelicans fans here listening to this show today are probably wondering a little bit about Anthony Davis and whether or not AD did enough this year to perhaps win that Most Improved Player Award. Does he have a real legitimate shot at that thing?
4: Oh, definitely. I think he, DeAndre Jordan, uh, Gerald Green might have been in the mix uh, in that conversation, but Anthony to me is is individual award-wise, and that department is going to, amass a number of those over the coming years and why not start with the one that every young player should get uh in their career which is you know improving to a level where where they're you know one of the staples in the league
1: ricky i'm probably too close to the situation so i like asking guys like yourself of course that analyze it from afar and certainly have the perspective that you do as a former player and student of the game uh, tell me more about where Anthony Davis, in your eyes, stands in the lexicon of players currently out there right now, and and what is it about his game that strikes you?
4: I think he has the greatest upside of of any you know any player beyond you know it's rookie season for sure, uh, uh, and even you know two or three years uh, into into you know the the list of guys that have been out for a while. Uh, when I look at upside. Uh, his 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 athleticism, his his basketball IQ, his skills, uh, the way he affects both ends of the floor, uh, really really rank him in my my eyes as as a, the type of player you start a franchise with and confidently build around. And I think the the Pelicans have just had a little hor- some horrid horrid uh, luck here with their health of the surrounding players to him. Uh, but it, it, I think eventually they get that going.
1: Help fans understand Rick, what team USA can mean to a player like Anthony.
4: Oh my gosh, I mean representing your country especially the way he's done already. Uh, he's had the opportunity to do that, but also you're, you're surrounding yourself with the greats of the game, learning from the you know from them as well as uh, playing in the offseason in international competition where you're, you're playing against the best in the world. So you know that that gives a, your, your star anchor to your team an opportunity to grow. At a pace that's uh, greater than most most players when they when they spend their summers trying to work on their game.
1: No doubt, no doubt. Rick Fox, uh, certainly a pleasure to have you with us today. I know your time is uh, very valuable. I do want to ask you before you go. Um, when you look at three games tonight, three more tomorrow, three more on Thursday, um, how how are what's what's Rick Fox's secret to making sure that he's got all his bases covered and sees all oh these God. games?
4: Well, usually in the regular season, uh, you know, I'm, I'm a a game time app. Uh, I pledge my allegiance to that for sure. So I have it on at all times, either on a pad or on my phone. Uh, so I catch uh, I catch the ability to replay a lot of those games. But I like to watch them live. You know, sports is you know the NBA in particular is appointment viewing for me. I love the games, and this time of year I try to try to sit in into in, in the Turner Studios studios as much as possible because we got about 12 screens going there. Uh, but I, you know, I keep the the news feeds going, keep my 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 computer on. Uh, don't have my fantasy uh, league is in the in the postseason, but but I do stay in touch with all of those sources that keep me competitive in my fantasy league.
1: I can't think of a better time of the year, can you?
4: No, I love it.
1: I absolutely love it. <laughs> I know you do. I know you do, and I really appreciate you coming on with us today. We'll be watching you, of course, and uh, anxious for your analysis of how the first run unfolds. And I think we're in for a good uh, couple of weeks here of basketball for sure. We sure will. Nice talking to you. Yep, and Rick Fox with us from Turner Sports NBA TV. And we'll continue here on the Black and Blue Report right after this quick timeout. Hey there.
0: What you having? welcome back to the black and blue report here's sean kelly
1: time now to pick up here on our nfl draft preview series on the black and blue report we're up to pick number 17 now and that's the baltimore ravens and garrett downing from baltimore among other things is kind enough to join us here on this tuesday uh garrett how are you how are things in baltimore
2: they're doing really well uh we're enjoying it up here i know we're getting excited to uh make the trip back down to New Orleans the last time we will be going down there in the preseason and the regular season so uh we'll be seeing you guys down there but the last time we were there was a pretty good occasion so uh so it brings back some fond memories talking to you guys today
1: no doubt no doubt a special place for you guys and uh and certainly um here I thought that I didn't have to watch Steve Smith versus the Saints anymore (laughs) and uh, that's not necessarily the case as the Ravens have picked up that former Carolina Panther
2: yeah, that was a big move this offseason. You know, when the Ravens went into the offseason, there were a couple of areas that they said they really needed to address, and the wide receiver position was one of the top items on that list. And so, adding when Steve Smith became available, the Ravens didn't waste any time. They got him on the phone, they got him here to Baltimore, and signed him pretty much immediately. He had some other workouts and some visits scheduled, but the Ravens wanted to get him under contract before he even left here. So that's what they ended up doing, and that. Really feels a big need on this offense, and I think the expectations are really high for him. I mean, he's talked about having in a thousand-yard season. Uh, pairing him up with Torrey Smith and, and Gary Kubiak's new offense here—that uh, could really be good things for this offense. So, that was a bear, a big, big coup for the Ravens to try to get him as soon as he hit the open market this year.
1: He is—he is 35, though Garrett. And mm-hmm. Torrey Smith is a nice piece too. But do the Ravens still need more at wide receiver?
2: They'll probably look, and I don't think it's as big of a need as it was at the start of the off season. You know, I think everybody knows that Steve Smith is not a long term answer here. You know, he's a they signed him to a three year deal, but it's not a he's not going to be you know a franchise wide receiver here at this point of his career. Um, but I think that they look at it and they say, you know, if there's a really good player that falls to them in the first round at number seventeen, like a Mike Evans, somebody along those lines from Texas A and M, then maybe they would go ahead and, and get somebody like that, but they're not going to reach for a wide receiver. There's other positions, especially when you look at the draft, that they could look to address. Offensive line, uh, right tackle, the need position where they could, you know, if somebody like a pair of a wand from Michigan's there or Zach Barton from Notre Dame, those are two popular picks in the mock drafts that people are looking to for the Ravens. And also on the flip side, on the defensive side, free safety. The Ravens are really still looking to replace that free safety spot, you know, when they, when Ed Reed left last year. Um, They haven't been able to find – last year they toyed with a couple of different options, but they haven't been able to find somebody to anchor into that free safety spot. And if there's somebody in the draft like Ha-Ha Clint Dix from Alabama or Calvin Pryor from Louisville, they may try to fill that need in the draft. So there's other positions that may be more pressing the wide receiver for this year, but like I said, if a really, really good pass catcher is available at 17, the Ravens could pluck him off the board.
1: You know, it's interesting, Garrett, now that we're getting down to like you know the 17th pick and teams that will follow you in our in our series here. Unlike the teams at the top of the board, we're kind of now getting into situations where it's more tweaking and uh, smaller holes to fill. I guess it seems it, maybe the Ravens are in that category already.
2: Yeah, the the, the philosophy here and, and a lot of teams have this philosophy, but the Ravens really kind of stick to it as the old best player available. Idea and that goes all the way back to the very first draft when they drafted Jonathan Ogden, when there was a huge need of running back. And they said, Let's draft Jonathan Ogden, he's the best player on the board. And they ended up putting him at left guard that first year. And then he, of course, went on to become a Hall of Fame left tackle and was an anchored the left side of that line for a long time here. And so, the way that Ozzy Newsom, the general manager here, approaches the draft is he looks at it and says, We want to go into the draft with no holes so that you can really stick to that philosophy. Because if you've got a glaring need at a certain position, um, then you're going to be prone to reach for somebody. And so what with the moves that the Ravens have made in, in free agency this offseason, they don't have a huge glaring need. Sure, there's some positions that they could fill in the draft, but for the most part they have filled their most pressing needs. And so now they can go into the draft and say, let's just wait and see how the board looks and then make the decision based on that rather than saying, okay, we need a cornerback, got to get somebody. This guy's the third-best corner, but he's available Let's just go ahead and take him. They're not going to do that. They're going to wait and see who falls to them, and that's the way they're going to approach the draft.
1: Garrett Downing with us from BaltimoreRavens.com. Garrett, uh, I think we've hammered away here pretty good at the draft and even free agency to some aspect. Sometimes, though, there are storylines surrounding franchises that kind of slide under the national radar. Are there any such uh, situations with the Ravens now that we should be aware of?
2: You know, I I think the big one here is, something that it, it seems like forever ago now since it happened early in the offseason, but it's the addition of Gary Kubiak as the offensive coordinator. You know, he's had a great track record of success dating all the way back to his time in Denver with running NFL offenses and, and calling plays, and he's been successful wherever he's been. I know last year the Texans' season obviously didn't go the way that it was expected there, but he's a great offensive mind and so there's a lot of people here who are excited about his arrival and what he can do for this offense, what he can do as a former quarterback for quarterback Joe Flacco here, what kind of impact that's going to have on Flacco, what kind of impact that's going to have on the running game. You know, last year the Ravens' running game was among the worst in the NFL, It was the worst that the Ravens have ever had um, in franchise history, and so fixing that running game is going to be really important. Obviously, There's some undetermined situations with Ray Rice and the legal situation regarding him. Uh, Whether there could be a suspension there, that remains to be seen. But regardless of what happens there, the Ravens would like to add a running back to the mix. That's probably something that will happen in the draft, I think, in the later rounds. Um, But getting the running game back on track and allowing them to do some things off of play action is going to be really important. So Kubiak's arrival fixing the running game and getting this offense to where you'd expect it to be with a quarterback like Flacco and some of the playmakers that he has around him, that's the big storyline I think for the Ravens going into this season.
1: Good stuff, well done, Garrett Downing. Hey, I know we can find you at BaltimoreRavens.com. dot uh, That's easy, but where else can we find you in this digital media world these days, Garrett?
2: Yeah, there's all there's all kinds of ways these days. Uh, you can follow us on Twitter at ravens. You can follow me on Twitter at G Downing fourteen, um, and those are ways that that we keep uh, keep everybody up to date with all the news going around with the, with the Ravens.
1: Outstanding! Yeah, hey, we're looking forward to seeing you down here. Now we're going to see. you, I think twice, right?
2: Yeah, we'll be we'll be there twice. I'm definitely looking forward to that. I'm just eager to see the schedule once it's finally released here to see exactly when we're going to get down there. I want to stop by Dragos to get some of those uh, deep fried oysters again.
1: Uh, All right, those, see, those you're already great. you're already a head start on everybody else. Good stuff. <laughs> I'm looking forward yeah. to it. Enjoy the draft, Garrett, and the rest of your off season, and we'll see you there in August. Okay. All right.
2: Thanks. Have a good one, guys.
1: You got it. Garrett Downing with us from BaltimoreRavens.com. He's on the Ravens beat, and he gives us a very comprehensive look at what Baltimore's got going on this offseason. And, of course, as we look forward to the NFL draft. We'll continue our draft preview series tomorrow for sure, and we'll be back to wrap up today's Black and Blue Report after this.
0: There's no better time to join your Pelicans as we take flight. All-star Anthony Davis is taking his team to the next level, and the Pelicans are soaring to new heights. 2014-15 season tickets are on sale now and start at less than $300 with lower bowl options as low as $37 per game. Season ticket benefits include the best seat locations, discounts on concessions, and much more. Take flight with the Pelicans. For more info, call 525-HOOP or visit pelicans.com today. At NBAStore.com, we have the largest
1: collection of gear for all 30 NBA teams, plus a few new specialty items like the OKC Thunder Encore warm-up pants that may have come straight from Kevin Durant's locker.
0: Definitely not from Kevin Durant's locker.
1: Or the Houston Rocket snapback hat that James Harden possibly wore while walking his dog this
0: morning. James Harden not guaranteed to pre-wear your hat.
1: Or maybe an official LeBron James jersey that we promise will make you look like LeBron from your neck to your
0: waist. Promise not valid in the lower 48 states, Alaska, Hawaii, or any other place in the universe. Gear up with authentic NBA
1: gear from NBAStore.com. One store, every team.
0: Pelicans.com and Saints.com. your first stop when following your teams.
1: Well, as I mentioned earlier in the show, it is a busy day here at the headquarters of the Saints and the Pelicans. The voluntary off-season workout program is underway this week. As many of you know, there are a lot of Saints players on campus participating in that. And then later on today, uh, several members of the Black and Gold are participating in the Celebrity Shootout over at the Zurich Classic. And the Pro-Am is tomorrow. I'm sure Coach Peyton will be involved in that, as he loves to swing the sticks a little bit during the offseason. On tomorrow's Black and Blue Report, we'll, we'll try and uh, capture some of the uh, Saints guys over at the Zurich Classic for you. We'll also uh, visit some more about the NBA. Eric Hasseltine, voice of the Grizzlies, is on the show tomorrow. And uh, David Wesley should be stopping by on a Wesley Wednesday. We'll ask him about the early uh, games here in round one of the NBA playoffs. And tomorrow's NFL Draft Preview Series stop takes us to New York, where Eric Allen from NewYorkJets.com will be a part of the program as we talk about pick number 18. We're rolling right along there in our series. All right, thanks to Daniel Salerson today, our producer, and our special guests too. Kelly Gibson, Rick Fox, and Garrett Downing from BaltimoreRavens.com. Hope you enjoyed this Tuesday visit with us. We hope you enjoy the rest of your Tuesday. We look forward to talking with you again tomorrow as we have another full plate right here on the podcast for Saints and Pelicans fans. I'm Sean Kelly in Studio B at the headquarters of the Saints and the Pelicans. So long for just a while.
0: Thanks for listening to this edition of the Black and Blue Report. If all goes well, we'll be back tomorrow. Tune in each weekday at 12 p.m. or at your convenience exclusively online at NewOrleansSaints.com and pelicans.com. Follow your teams direct from the source. The Black and Blue Report.